Daniel's vision foretells a time when persecutions will end and God's kingdom will be established. A reading from the book of Daniel. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all this. So he said that he would disclose to me the interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 149. Please stand as you are able and sing. Jesus has been raised from the dead to reign forever in glory. All those who abide in his love are destined for a place in God's kingdom. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, 
were marked with the seal of promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestor did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. If anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. I would ask that our children, including our acolytes, please come forward. The rest of you do be seated. Children, acolytes, come forward. Everybody. Up here. Even you older guys. You can stay there, but you can listen. Come up here, please. Last year, y'all can stand up, or say kneeled, or what it dealt, or whatever. Last year, your class, and you helped with it, 
uh, the intermediate class, the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade class, was studying Paul. And we decided after reading some of Paul's letters to the churches that we're a church and we could write a letter too. And we wrote a letter from our class on behalf of the whole Sunday school department to the children in Louis, Diocese of Lozo. And we began our letter on February 14th. We ended our letter on March the 14th. And it was ready to send. We sent it a little bit later on April the 27th. It took some time to get our ducks in line and find out correct addresses and so forth. We sent it over April 27th for a cost of $25.50. A lot of money to send a letter a long way. Well, we waited and we waited and we waited. And no word of that letter being arriving. We got a little bit nervous come September and thought, well, it's not going to get there. So we made a copy of the letter and gave it to the bishop's wife, uh, Deb Smith, Deborah Smith, and she, last week, was that when they left, took a second copy of the letter with her to give to the folks in Lozo. Well, what do you know, on November 3rd, Dan received a letter from Noel Knight Knight, that they had received our letter by snail mail six months after we sent it. Six months after we sent it. So they got that letter, and now they're going to get a second letter from... Uh, Deborah Smith, when she arrives in Lozy, Louie and Loza. Would you like to tell them the rest of this, Dan? Understand <laughs> point? Dan's got some information, too. So, I got this email, I think it got this Monday, which was November 1st, and the, the missioners hadn't got there. Uh, Noel Knight was up in Louie, so I had access to the internet and sent me an internet message, which took, what, all of 20 minutes to arrive back here that they had received the letter that took them six months to get. Um, he said he would take it back to Lowe's and they would write a letter and, and send one send one to us. So we'll get to see how long it takes uh, for that to get back to The internet over there, though, went down just shortly after Noel made his uh, reply to me. So we don't have a lot of word. We know that the missionaries are there. We've got a phone call from them. We know they're there. Um, but we don't have a lot of information yet out of, out of Louis about Bishop uh, Bullen, and he had some surgery, and we don't know sort of what his condition is. As soon as the internet is back up, we'll communicate that information. What about something about how that letter went? Oh, right. So we did not, of course, there's no mailing address for the parish in Loza. We sent it to the Episcopal Church of Sudan, which has a post office box in Juba, which is the largest city in southern Sudan. Um, And the way it works from there is when they know that somebody is going from Juba, up north towards Louis, they would hand carry that letter to, to Louis. Once it gets to Louis, as soon as they know there that somebody was headed to Lozo, they would hand it to somebody who was headed to Lozo. So it got carried by hand the last leg of that trip, and that's probably what took it so long um, to make it. It was probably in Juba, not you know, but a month. 
month after we sent it and then carried it by hand. Bicycle, who knows however. For five months. <laughs> no telling how many hands touched it. No telling how many hands read it along the way. I'm sure some folks peaked. This is the note that Dan received back on about November the 1st from Noel Knight, the priest in, uh, in Lozo. Greetings to you in Jesus' name. Hope that all of you are well. The congregation Sunday and the entire community. Now I am in Louie. It is good now. The letter of your children has reached us in Lozo Parish. And I have read it to the Sunday school the entire congregation, and everybody was happy about it. So that's just a bit of information to you all about the letter you all wrote six months ago. <laughs> Be seated now. This morning I want us to think about remembering. In our Gospels, Jesus gives his disciples at that Last Supper bread and wine and says... Eat of this bread to remember me. Drink of this wine to remember me. Remembering in context of Eucharist is more than a mind event. It is an event of presence. It is an event of presence. Jesus' presence with us. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E is the presence I'm talking about. Remembering brings him to us, not because we have said it so, but because he has said it is so. Remembering in context of the Eucharist is like remembering a dismembered body. If I am in an accident and my body is dismembered, hopefully one of you will make sure that I get to the hospital and the surgeons who can remember my body, put it back together if the dismembering is not too critical. Eat this bread. Drink of this cup to remember me, to put me back together, to bring me to you, says Jesus. In Eucharist, we remember in order to bring Jesus back to us. When we in Eucharist as well rehearse the saving events of God throughout the ages... We are remembering, bringing those events to our time so that God is making covenant with us as God makes covenant, covenant with Abram and Sarah. So that God is leading us out of Egypt from our slavery into the promised land. So that God sends his prophets to us as he sent prophets to those people Tell us of the promises so that God is with us in the birth and the life, uh, the passion, the death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus as God was with them in those things. Now having said these things, I'm going to be very bold this morning and say that such remembering is operative. Such remembering is operative as we remember the saints all of those who have gone before us, uh, those whom we have loved and have known on this side. Our colic begins in this way. 
Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. I receive this knitting together and perceive this knitting together in this way. There are connections between us and those who have gone before us because God has knit us together making those connections. There are connections so that heaven is joined to earth and earth is joined to heaven. There are connections so that there is no great distance or separation between us and those who have gone before. There are connections so that the veil between this life and the larger life is very, very thin. In the great hymn of our Eucharistic prayer, we say, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. What we are doing in Eucharist now in this hour, they are doing in heaven at the same time. And so they're connections, connections of presence. Connections of real presence, if I may say it that way. I'm grateful to Dan and to Advent Church that we remember, though, the faithful departed of our own for an entire year in our Sunday Sabbath prayers. Our grief work during that, in, during that year ceases to be a morbid, sad, melancholy remembering and becomes a glad, joyful remembering. Dan insists on the whole year for grief work, and that's appropriate in terms of the least of time to assimilate, to, to do our grief work and assimilate the deaths who have gone before us, those whom we love. It always takes me two years to do my grief work. I'm slow on one hand, and I spend my time more with you and your grief work in helping you, the likes of you that I spend on myself in doing my grief work. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It may take a year, it may take two years, it may take three years, it may take us a lifetime to completely assimilate the deaths who have gone before us, those whom we love. But during that time, our remembering mood transitions from sad, morbid, melancholy remembering to glad and joyful remembering. I've tried to remind my daughters, Mary Tully and Stacy Rebecca, of this as they grieve for the death of their mother. And I've said to them time and time again, or several times again, Mary Tully and Stacy Rebecca, beyond the hurt and the sadness caused by the death of your mom, your mom. Remember the good times. Remember the times that you laughed together so hard that you cried. Remember the tender times. Remember the forgiveness times, the reconciliation times, times of wonder and great joy. As you were wonderfully connected to your mom in those times, you're wonderfully connected to your mom in these times as well. Because... Her life is not ended, but changed. And the remembering is not ended, but changed. And the connections 
are not ended, but changed. Today, we particularly remember the ad, members of Advent who have died in the last year. I was counting the number uh, on the board out here in the necrology list, those who have died since the early beginnings of Advent. Over 250 of our former parishioners have died. We're a congregation of about 200 now. A few more have gone before us than are here in, on the rows of our congregation now. It's a motivation for us to get to work for folks so that we keep up with their numbers on this side. <laughs> and have as many here as are there on that side. Our remembering of them connects us to them and them to us. What we hope for now is realized for them. What God has in store for us is now actualized for them. The power of God which raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is the power of God that has received them unto God's self. They are God's and God is theirs and nothing ever will be able to separate them from God nor God from them again. By God's very own hand, the personal, intimate hand of God, God has wiped away every tear from their eyes. And for them, there is no more sorrow, no more pain, uh, no more sighing, but life everlasting. And because all because God has exercised God's power on their behalf. The great glimpse of the promises of God revealed to us in the revelation of John is realized and fulfilled and actualized for those who have gone before us. Listen to that great promise. Behold, the dwelling of God is with them. God dwells with them and they are his people and he is their God. God himself is with them. Death is no more for them. There is no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For them, the former things have passed away. These words are trustworthy and true, for it is done. God has remembered them, and they are with God, and God is with them. They are fortunate indeed. For they have received their inheritance in God's kingdom. We call them blessed. They are happy indeed. For their hunger for God is assuaged. And they are filled to overflowing. We call them blessed. They are fortunate indeed. For they weep no more but laugh with God. We call them blessed. They are happy indeed because God has given them a pure and a clean heart. And they see God with their very own eyes, who is their friend and not a stranger. And we call them blessed. What we are now, they once were. What they are now, we one day in God's time will be. Alleluia. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Amen.